another episode of Dr. Brooke on the Block. It's time to grab a seat, buckle up, and take a ride with me through the wild, wild west of the Web3 universe, where we're going to learn all about coins and tokens, NFTs and contracts, digital real estate and the metaverse, and so much more. There's a lot to get through on the block, but I am here to pave the way and help you avoid those nasty pitfalls and rug pulls so you don't get hurt. I'm going to also introduce you to some interesting characters along the way. Are you ready? Your ride starts now. What's up, what's up? Dr. Brooke here with another amazing epic ride on the roller coaster of the wild, wild west of the Web3 world. And we are going to be talking about the different type of blockchain consensus. Now, to get started, we first need to define the word consensus. What does consensus mean in the blockchain technology space? Consensus essentially means what does each of the computers or nodes that are part of the network, what are they agreeing upon. So there's multiple different consensus types, but there's four main consensus types. There's something called proof of work. There's something called proof of stake. There's something called proof of history. And there's something called proof of authority. And we're going to go through each and every single one of those to really break down the pros and cons of each of the different uh, blockchain consensus types so that you can actually do some better research. When you're researching different uh, investment vehicles that you're looking into, whether it be, you know, an actual blockchain uh, in and of itself that you're looking to invest in, or if you're looking to invest in a token or another product that is built upon that layer one. So all blockchains um, that you're looking to invest in, those are considered layer one protocols, and they're going to have a consensus type to them. So a lot of times if you're doing research in CoinMarketCap, if you're doing research in a lot of the other um, centralized exchange platforms, trading platforms like Crypto.com, Coinbase, all of... uh, FTX, Kraken, all of those ones, you'll be able to do the research and see when it says consensus type, they tell you what it is. Is it proof of work? Is it proof of stake? Is it proof of history? Is it proof of authority? What is it? And that is what we're going to get into today. So to get started, I want to start with proof of work. Proof of work is actually the consensus type that Bitcoin and and Ethereum, Ethereum is currently built on proof of work and they're transitioning into proof of stake, which we'll get into in a moment on what that means. But proof of work was originally, you know, set out um, when Bitcoin first started. That is the type of blockchain consensus that they began with. And proof of work basically states that the first person to solve the complex, you know, algorithm or complex problem, so to speak, wins. Now, when they they put the information, when the information comes to the miner that works with proof of work, that information gets sent to a computer miner. And that miner is then, you know, like told to figure out how to create the letter F at the end of this tag or this fragment, or they have to have a, a, a section of code that they then have to figure out what ones and zeros make up that letter or that code that they need to input. 
Once they figure that out, they are then that block is considered or that transaction is considered complete. And then so many transactions, depending on the block size, fits into the block and then the block is considered complete. For every single transaction that is solved using a proof of work, they've done the work, they get paid for the work. It's no different than us going to our jobs and getting paid our paycheck after we've completed our task or in a couple of weeks, right? Um, Depending on payroll. So Bitcoin miners, the same thing. Ethereum miners, the same thing. They put in the work, they solve the complex problem and they receive Bitcoin or they receive Ethereum in um, as a reward for completing that task. So what are some of the advantages of proof of work blockchains? Well, one of the big ones is there's a lot of protection against hacking because it's very hard to just quote unquote become a Bitcoin miner or an Ethereum miner. It requires a lot of actual hardware, software, A lot of things are involved to become miners. Do not fall for those scams. I'm telling you guys right now, do not fall for those scams. People dropping into your Instagram DMs or in your Discord or anywhere they can find you telling you that so-and-so made $10,000 mining Bitcoin and all you need to do is send them, you know, X, Y, and Z or however much money and they're going to mine Bitcoin for you. Bitcoin is not something that is done just easy you know, sending links back and forth. No, no, no. And it's not about Bitcoin is not also mined using like just traditional software. You actually have to have hardware pieces to mine Bitcoin. So like, be careful, be weary of those people saying that, delete those messages, block those people, do not let them uh, get close to you. So a big protection or An advantage to proof of work is that you do have a lot of protection against hacking, although Ethereum has not necessarily been hacked, but Ethereum's gotten stolen from wallets. So I won't claim that Ethereum's been hacked. Um, And it's nearly impossible to alter transactions. So because the network is big and because there's a lot of miners and nodes and computers that are all speaking to each other, the strength of that blockchain makes it impossible to alter. So if I try to alter a, a transaction and be shady and, you know, transact 50 Bitcoin into my wallet where it should have gone into someone else's wallet, I then have now broken the chain and everybody else on that node system, on that blockchain gets notified that that chain was broken, something happened, and it is easily traceable back to, well, goodness gracious, guys, I apologize. I I don't mean to use these words easily. It is, I don't mean to use these words loosely. It is not necessarily that easy to, you know, track down the transaction. You can absolutely track down the transaction because things on a, on a blockchain are public. The transactions on the blockchain are public. So you can look at the block explorer and find out what's going on, but it's hard sometimes if people don't properly KYC, know your customer KYC, um, to actually know who they are. You're just seeing a really long wallet address, but one of the getting back to that advantage of proof of work is that transactions cannot be altered or, you know, 
like messed with. Um, and I think that that would go with all the consensus types, to be honest. And that's the beauty of blockchain technology is that things, you know, are, are like very transparent and unlike immute, like immutable, um, for the most part, there would be, have to be something called a 51% attack. Now a 51% attack, if the blockchain was to get attacked would mean 51% of the entire blockchain community would all have to stage an attack against the chain. And that would allow the chain to come crashing down essentially. Uh, the Again, I really think that the likelihood of that happening, it could be very, very um, low. You would have to get millions and millions of people to hit that 51% with the strength of how big Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin are. Now, what are some disadvantages to proof of work? The big one, and I think this is Ethereum's biggest bottleneck, is that it requires a lot of energy to mine. I mentioned earlier about needing different like hardware, actual hardware and electricity to run to mine this Bitcoin and do what they're doing. So it requires so much energy consumption. And not only that, it requires hardware, right? So then me, if I wanted to be a Bitcoin miner, I would have to purchase a lot of hardware equipment in order to be able to do that. So I would have to weigh out you know, the rewards of computing the problem if I wanted to be a miner in that network. The other thing is, this is something really an interesting fact, and I want to kind of read it straight from my notes because I think it's really something that needs to kind of settle in a little bit. But 13 years, 13 years of an average household energy use. So a household uses energy like however much a year, take that out by 13 years. So whatever that number is, that's how much energy it takes to just mine one Bitcoin. One, 13 years. This is how energy like draining this whole practice is. And this is why there's been a lot of different blockchains built since 2009, since Satoshi uh, his initial white paper for Bitcoin in 2009, many, many, many uh, other blockchains have come out and really claiming a lot of energy efficiency because proof of work requires so much energy. And transitioning now, because I really want to transition now into proof of stake as I connect the dots. Remember I said in the beginning, proof of work is where Bitcoin and Ethereum are currently living. I don't know that Bitcoin will ever do a what is called a fork and change their entire like consensus model from proof of work to proof of stake uh, because they're getting closer to the end of actually having all of the actual Bitcoin mined. I think we're at 19 million and something. There's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. So once that 21 million has been mined, the mining aspect of Bitcoin shuts down. The computer nodes, the people running hardware, um, will then be paid in Bitcoin for processing transactions for people, but they will no longer be paid to mine. Now, transitioning into proof of stake, Ethereum is currently in the process of moving away from POW, proof of work, to proof of stake. 
Now, what is proof of stake saying? Proof of stake says that basically you have your cryptocurrency, whatever that cryptocurrency of that like native blockchain is. So let's say Ethereum. And I'm staking my Ethereum to be part of the system. So I can become a validator on the blockchain and I can validate transactions and I'm rewarded in that native token. But I'm only rewarded in that native token as a validator, unless I'm investing, right? That's something completely separate. But I am earning Ethereum for validating transactions on their blockchain, for validating smart contracts on their blockchain, for doing work in the blockchain. All I have to do is stake my own bit of Ethereum in there. So let's say I take $500 of my personal money, I put it into Ethereum, I use all of that Ethereum to stake my position and say, yes, I want to be a validator on your network. That is proof of stake. Now, if you guys are confused because I said Ethereum was proof of work and now I'm using Ethereum as an example for proof of stake, the reason is, is because Ethereum is about to do a hard fork and transition their entire consensus model from proof of work to proof of stake. To let you know, when Ethereum does this, which may happen in a couple months, may happen at the end of 2022, understand that Ethereum under the proof of work uh, consensus model uses 113.1 terawatt hours of energy. When they transition to proof of stake, that number is going to decrease by 99.95%. Huge. Can you see the difference as to how proof of work and proof of stake are vastly different in energy consumption and why there's a lot more blockchains that are being built under proof of stake models. And we're going to get into some of those. I want to do, I do want to share with you that as well. But I just want to, you know, other than what is proof of stake and staking your position in that, you know, the validators that do stake their Ethereum, let's say myself and you and some other people, the, the system, the Ethereum blockchain randomly chooses people based off their holdings. So this can actually be a disadvantage to some degree, because if I have a million Ethereum that I'm willing to stake and you have two, chances are I may get selected to, you know, validate that transaction over you, even though there is some sort of randomness involved. Um, The cool thing about proof of stake is, you know, yes, you're putting like basically like equity down saying I am a good person and I'm going to do right by by this whole chain, because if you act in any sort of shady way, you're going to lose your holdings. You will be like fined and you will be shut from the network. And that million token of Ethereum that I had or million coin of Ethereum that I had is now gone because I decided to be a shady player. That's how that works. This is the beauty of it. So what are some advantages of proof of stake? Well, proof of stake does allow more validators. There's a lot more people involved because there's not a lot of costly hard hardware and software involved. It is very energy efficient. Example, the Ethereum 113 terawatt energy to having a decrease, 99% decrease in just transitioning. And there's a lot faster transaction times. 
So if you've ever heard any of your friends in the blockchain or crypto space talk about gas fees being outrageously high, yes, we know car fuel gas is outrageously high right now, but also gas fees in the Web3 world are outrageously high because Ethereum has this bottleneck you know, to where they are having to pay these people to do this proof of work, to do all this stuff. Whereas once they transition to proof of stake, they are going to be able to have way lower gas fees, more people entering the market um, and purchasing and buying things in the Web3 world. So um, another disadvantage is that when you stake your assets, I stake my million Ethereum to be a validator on the network, those assets are locked up. Those assets I don't have access to depending, like no matter what happens in the market. So if we're experiencing a bear market and things are going down, okay, like maybe not, not that big of a deal. Um, but maybe not in that big of a deal in the sense of like, maybe I'll just wait till the next bull run for Ethereum. Right. But let's say there is a really big bull run going on and I want to take profits. I can't take profits because that, those tokens or those coins are locked up. So that is uh, proof of stake. Now, oh, I wanted to talk about too um, some of the chains that have proof of stake before I move on to proof of history is Cardano. Um, their token is ADA. AVAX, which is Avalanche. Their token is AVAX, A-V-A-X. Uh, Polygon, uh, P O. L-Y, and then Tezos, which their their uh, token is um, XTZ. Those are all proof of stake uh, blockchains. And um, I personally am a huge fan of Tezos. Uh, yeah, that, that's proof of history addresses the synchronicity problem among the blockchains. Now, when I say synchronicity issue, I mean among the time clocks. So when I mine or complete a, a, a problem, right, on a proof of work blockchain, or I validate on a proof of stake pro, uh, blockchain, uh, there's timestamps that I need to put in there. Well, with the proof of history blockchain, the timestamps are already like there for you. So as soon as the transaction is completed, the timestamp is, is added. So there's not all of this you know, delay on, you know, well, this validator entered it at 731 and then the next validator along the chain entered it at 732. There's synchronicity. Each validator, boom, the time, everything is on point. So what are some of the drawbacks that proof of history has? Because proof of history sounds like a really great thing and it could be looked at Proof of history runs similar to proof of stake. You do have to stake some of your actual holdings in order to use, you know, or be part of that consensus type or be part of that, you know, system as a validator. So you have the hardware that you have to have for it has to meet very specific guidelines. So again, this is not an easy thing to get into. So if someone comes to you and says, you know, I want you to mine Solana and do all these things, understand you have to have very specific hardware in order to run this um, type of chain. And it's not easy to get into. So there is the drawback in that. Um, Also with proof of history, it's not as decentralized as it seems. And what I mean by that, like, and I'm going to use the Solana as an example, right? And I'm taking from an article 
like about Solana, understand that was 90 days ago. Because I'm using a Solana analogy or an example, I want to give you a time reference because Solana has since, you know, done some changes into their network and worked on some of their kinks out. But 90 days ago with Solana, there was 1,670 validators on its network. However, there's 21 validators who together own more than 33% of the total stake. Okay, so if they conclude and decide to shut down the entire network, they can do it so pretty easily. Now, because they're smaller and they don't necessarily have to hit that 51%, at 33%, these people have enough stake among the 21 of them that can actually take down the entire blockchain. So with that said, one of the drawbacks is, in Solana's case, is that it may not be as decentralized as people think. Now, there is a lot of speculation about Solana, and I'm not going to get into that in this video. That's not what we're talking about. If you want to check out Solana and their protocols and who they are, research them. Their token is SOL. Um, I've talked about them in previous videos, Uh, but something to think about. And as of right now, Solana is the only one that I am aware of that is running on the proof of history consensus type. There may be more, but as of now, like I said, the only one I know of is uh, Solana. So all of the three that I just mentioned right now, proof of work, proof of stake, proof of history are all public blockchains. So proof of authority, POA, is actually a private blockchain. And I actually feel very excited about this, at least for the coming future and seeing what happens with supply chain and business and all of those kind of things, because private blockchains is where proof of authority is going to thrive. And there's a company, VChain Thor, and other ones, Microsoft Azure, POA Network, that are all private blockchains that run proof of authority. Now, This is, again, suitable for private blockchains, private companies that are looking to have really solid supply chain issues addressed so that they know if they're manufacturing a part and it's coming from India or China or somewhere, they know they can scan that part and they know exactly the chain of events on where that part went, what vehicle, what you know, gadget it went into. They can follow the entire supply chain issue using a proof of authority blockchain network. So instead of staking coins, what a proof of authority is doing is you're basically staking your entire, uh, oh my gosh, you're you're staking your entire reputation and putting that on the line. So your identity, who you are, and you have to have a vested interest in keeping everything together because they're going to be doing thorough checks So one of the disadvantages of of POA currently, and I don't know that it is a true disadvantage, but it is very hard to become a validator on a proof of an authority blockchain because you have to do tons and tons of of background checks, which means that, you know, it is it really truly decentralized if it's only being kept by a small limited number of people? That's an interesting question, similar to like what we were talking about with Solana and the fact that 21 like different 
validators or people have access to 33% of the company and can take the blockchain down if they, they chose to. So not to say that proof of authority won't work. Like I said, I think it's more great for enterprise and businesses because of the, the privatization of it. And it's not public in that sense. So um, the advantages is there's no constant monitoring of transactions. One of the advantages is there's no constant monitoring of the, like there's one of the other advantages of a proof of authority network is that there's no constant monitoring as there's special software used instead. And there's a lot of benefits to the business, like I mentioned before, there's a very low possibility of attack because the validators are checked, you know, background verified, all of that. And then the chain, the proof of authority is, is fast and predictable. So as I mentioned, VeChain, POA, Microsoft Azure, there's other ones in the works uh, that are working their way through. I um, personally like VeChain. I like what they're up to, what they're doing, what kind of enterprises they're working with. Uh, that's another one just to do your own research. Don't go based off what I'm saying, but just check check them out. Check, you know, you can look at Bitcoin as a, as a proof of work. You can look at Tezos as a proof of stake. You can look at Solana as a proof of history. And you can look at VeChain Thor. I guess I should add the Thor at the end. V-E-T is their their symbol, token symbol, um, as a proof of authority. And just get an example. Do do the research into that and you'll see proof of stake or proof of work. And you'll get to like read the background history of it. This is not telling you to buy anything. This is not telling you to invest or to sell or to you know get involved. This is merely for educational purposes to help you understand that there are different types of blockchains. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the two big dogs in the fight. They are not the only ones. So with that said, I hope this helped answer some of those questions around blockchain and helped you really gain a deeper understanding of the different consensus types with blockchain technology. With that being said, we are rolling into the station. Uh, Get your seatbelts off. We are done with the ride for today, but I hope you had a great one and I will see you on the next one. You made it. Congratulations. That wasn't so bad, was it? I hope you laughed and learned a little bit more about this Web3 universe and how simple and fun it can really be. Would you be so kind as to leave us a review and share it with your friends and family? It would mean so much to get this out to more people as we embark on the greatest transfer of wealth that has ever happened in human history. Can't wait to see you on the next one.